Hello friends, it's Joel from the Methinks podcast. This episode is a little bit special, and I just wanted to explain why. Maggie and I intentionally recorded this episode the night of the election before we knew what the result was. The votes were still being counted, the ballots were still coming in, and we had no idea that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris were going to win the election. That was intentional. We wanted to speak into the situation and offer what we think is Christ-centered advice about how Christians should respond to the outcome of the, the election. Uh, we weren't sure whether Biden was going to win. We weren't sure whether Trump was going to get reelected. We didn't know. We knew that the election results were going to take a few days to process, that the election was going to be contested, but we really didn't know who the victor was going to be. And that was intentional. We didn't want our knowledge of the outcome to impact our advice and our evaluation of how Christians should respond. And we really didn't want our reflections to be tailored to the particular results of the election. For us, the question really was this. As followers of the way of Jesus, how ought we respond to the outcome of the election, whatever the outcome is? We hope that this episode goes some way towards answering that question. Hello and welcome to the Methinks podcast, where we explore questions about faith, history, ethics, and sexuality from the perspective of two Christian graduate students. My name is Joel, and I'm a PhD student studying philosophy. And I am Maggie. I am a PhD student studying history. Maggie, we are on the cusp of the election. That's and right. Absolutely. I, I was really excited to use that word. Cusp. cusp. Yeah, it's an exciting I word. I don't use it enough. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're on the cusp of the election and we are literally recording this on election night. And there's, you know, um, the votes are being counted. Things are coming in. Polls are being looked at. And we really don't know what the outcome of the election is going to be yet. I haven't looked at some of the polls for a few hours now. But we're really heading into a new, like really a new, very, it's going to be very interesting four years, right? And I think this election has been described as a very pivotal, important election in American history. And I think for a lot of good reasons, that's absolutely right. Um, I think people on the left and right and the middle and wherever think that there's a lot at stake here. And it it does seem like there is. And so as Christians, as really just as Christians, I think Maggie and I just wanted to reflect a little bit about a little bit about where we're heading and what the, what the Christian response should be when it comes to the presidency. We don't know what the outcome is going to be, but the question is, what can Christians rally behind and what should they keep in mind? What kind of prophetic exhortation should we be keeping at the forefront of our minds as we head into tomorrow and learn about who our new president is? So that's kind of, that's kind of the idea here. We just want to like 
have a quick discussion about what we think are some important things, some prophetic things for uh, Christians and for the church to keep in mind as we head into this new presidential term. Um, yeah, and, and the prophetic thing—that's that's more Joel's terminology than mine. I'm not uh, against prophetic, like t- like I, I'm just I'm not raised in that tradition, and I also don't exactly know what people mean when they say that they're giving a prophetic word or <laughs> speaking prophetically. So, if any of you like heard that and were slightly skeptical, just know that I'm kind of with you on that. But I do think, however, uh, that the Lord can certainly. Um, instill wisdom and allow us as Christians, um, even those of us who aren't, you know, super mature Christians or um, particularly gifted in wisdom to have something to say, given our, um, our knowledge and just our reflection. And so that's, I think, what we want to offer today. And, you know, if we say something stupid, like, just don't remember it. That's what I ask of you. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so um, Maggie, I just want to open up the floor for you to maybe just share like some of your own thoughts. Uh, what kind of advice, what kind of exhortation, prophetic exhortation, <laughs> uh, would you give to to Christians, to the church as we enter into tomorrow? Yeah. So it's interesting for yesterday, um, my class yesterday, I had my students look at uh, the history like the historical precedent for contested elections, mainly because I assume that whatever happens is going to be very contested and it's going to throw a lot of people into a state of extreme anxiety. And I wanted my students to be equipped with some really good historical evidence to help calm people down. Uh, Because historically we've done this many times before and we have more often than not, been perfectly fine. There's one glaring exception, of course, um, but that was much more a regional divide than what we have today. So that's, you know, a silver lining. Uh, but I think that's been my take is like, I'm I'm concerned about how people will react because there's been so much polarization and so much rhetoric that has been alienating of both sides, very little listening and very little understanding from what I've seen. And of course, I live in a pretty um, a pretty divided area, uh, so that certainly sure. affects my interpretation of things. But just the way social media approaches things and headlines, and it's just, it's intense. And I just think that we need to focus on the message of Christ. And the fact that Christ was consistently in situations where he was surrounded by people who had an extraordinarily different point of view, different perspective, and he still treated them lovingly, uh, and he still had a great deal of grace and understanding, um, and he didn't shy away from truth. And I think those are kind of our reactions, right? Depending on whether you win or lose to lord your win over people, which I don't think you should do, um, or to feel so terrible that you like hide and refuse to talk about it or that you won't lose in in a humble way. Um, I think all of those things are, are things that Christians should be able to do regardless of the result. We should not alienate ourselves from conversations. We should show grace. We should um, show humility. Uh, no matter what, I think those are the those are the skills. And that again, I don't think that we should shy away from truth, um, even if we don't feel that truth won out. Whatever your perspective of that is, um, that's the world, right? Uh, and so, how we react to this, I think, really will 
speak to how much we are in step with Christ in our reactions. Yeah. And I mean, Christ mourned. I'm not saying you can't be sad. Right. Uh, you know, right. like, but there's, there is a temperance uh, that I, I think I would like to encourage people to pursue. Yeah. And I think that's, yeah, that's all really good. And I think that point about lament and mourning is important and healthy. And like, honestly, I, I would say after tomorrow, like, I think whatever the outcome is, people are going to be really discouraged. Some group of some group is going to be really discouraged and really distraught. And some people are going to feel, um, you know, I think a sense of a sense of grief if a certain outcome happens. And I just, I just think, look, people need to give themselves permission to lament and to grieve. That's healthy. Um, really give yourself permission to lament and grieve. Um, an outcome that you might think is harmful, an outcome that you might think is detrimental to the well-being of image bearers. Uh, grief can be a reflection of your care and concern for the image of God within human beings. It can be a reflection of your care and concern for the shalom that God wants to bring the world. And you might think that if your candidate doesn't win, that that shalom has been in some way hindered. And I think that's an appropriate occasion for a type of grief and lament. So give yourself permission to lament. Um, I would just add this. If lament and grief is rooted in your identity being in politics, if you're in your identity being in a political outcome, that's that's a problem, right? There's a kind of idolatry there. It's one thing for me to grieve and lament because I think a political outcome is going to harm image bearers. It's another, for, it's another thing for me to grieve and lament because my identity is so rooted in a particular candidate or in a particular political party that it it like crushes my identity it threatens my identity and christians for christians our identity is supposed to be in christ and in his kingdom that is our true home that's our true ambition and that kingdom is not going away so the so if there's going to be lament and i and there's going to be it has to be rooted in a, a kind of concern for the potential um, harms and the potential uh, degradation of human beings, not in a preoccupation with a political party. So give yourself permission to mm. lament. It's, it's healthy. It's good. Um, yeah. And I think too, as, as Christians, we have the opportunity to hope in a different way um, because right. I think that first of all, our hope is in Christ, but even beyond that, like as far as the, the world goes, uh, I think that we know that there's a counter narrative, that power doesn't always mean influence and yeah, that we can, we can operate without full power in very powerful ways. And I think that is the story of Christ in so many, I mean, I, as a historian, I look back at when um, there's been lots of times when Christians have had power and it's gone really badly. Uh, and so power doesn't mean that your influence is guaranteed or that a Christian influence is guaranteed or that, you know, your, right. your message will, you know, prevail. Oftentimes, I think because of the way our political system works, even when your guy wins, uh, things might not go the way that you hope. And that can bring a different yeah. kind of devastation if you're really putting so much hope into power. 
And so just, right. I mean, of course, vote your conscience, vote. And we've, I'm sure right. many people have put a lot of, of time and effort into that. And I don't want to set that aside and say it's not important, but we do have an alternative well to draw from. And so I just encourage people to be focused on that in the coming days. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I love that idea of like a counter narrative, a, a sort of counter kingdom wherein we care, we care immensely about the things that are happening at a political level because we care immensely about the image bearers that are impacted by politics. But we recognize that Christ's kingdom is not of this world and that ultimately the kingdoms of the world are driven and ran by the sword and not by the cross. And our devotion as Christians is to the, the kingdom that reigns with a cross. Mm-hmm. And not one that reigns with a sword. And so cast your vote and, you know, be concerned about what happens with, quote unquote, Caesar's power, but recognize that you live in a countercultural kingdom, an upside down kingdom in which progress and growth and wholeness and shalom come through very different, different means. Mm-hmm. And so the, the, I think the kingdom of God should care about politics. It should be invested into political outcomes because it cares about human beings, but it should also recognize that its kingdom is a very different kingdom. And I I think one more thing to add to this, I would just encourage Christians, no matter the result, whatever the result happens to be, do not outsource your Christian vocation and your Christian calling to the presidency. Do not outsource your Christian pursuit of justice and your love of neighbor to the presidency. The presidency was never meant to fulfill your Christian calling. And so you shouldn't have come into the election expecting that your vote is going to fulfill your duty as a member of the kingdom of God and as a member of the church. That's not to say, again, that voting doesn't matter. It really does matter. Presidential elections really do matter. But presidential elections do not exhaust your responsibilities as a denizen of God's kingdom. And so whatever the result is, you should expect going into the next four years that the kingdom is going to call you into a a life of self-sacrifice, neighbor love, justice seeking. The presidency was not meant to resolve all of the things that your Christian vocation calls you to do. It was not meant to do that. And the presidency, as powerful as it is, was not meant to exhaust all the power and agency that can be used to pursue justice. The presidency is absolutely important in pursuing justice, but it can't do all of the work. There is work that you and I are called to do as individuals and as the church that cannot be outsourced to the presidency. So don't go into this new election cycle, this new, the next four years, expecting that um, your vocation is going to be outsourced. It, it can't be. So whatever the, the outcome is, whether your candidate makes it, whether your candidate does not, you have a Christian calling and a Christian vocation that was never meant to be outsourced to the presidency. Um, Yeah. And casting your vote. I mean, sometimes people like, I think there's this really, this is a a character, but sometimes people have this view. And I think I used to have this view that my social engagement as a Christian was exhausted by casting my vote. And I, you know, so I go to the, I go to the voting booth, fill out my ballot, turn it in. And then I kind of, you know, wipe my hands and I'm done. And that is like all that my social you know, commitment as a Christian required. And I think most of us think that's just a really diminished view of a social ethical vision of the kingdom of God. And the reality is that advancing the social 
ethical vision of the kingdom of God will cost you far more, far more than a vote. It will cost you far, far more than a vote. It will cost you your comfort, your wealth, your time, and so on. So if your social witness is constituted merely by your vote every four years and your tithe on Sundays, maybe, then I, I just invite you to reimagine and reconsider that the way of Jesus is far richer and far more concerned about all of creation than you may have imagined. And um, so don't outsource your Christian vocation and your Christian responsibilities to the presidency. It was never meant for that. Whatever the outcome of the election, you should have already anticipated and believed coming into tomorrow that you have a lot of work to do as a Christian. You have justice to seek. You have shalom to bring. You have people to love, neighbors to love, the, the needy, the hurting, the marginalized. They need to be brought into table fellowship. You need to come under them and learn from them and serve. Those tasks and responsibilities of the kingdom of God were never meant to be outsourced and they met, they're meant to be ongoing. So I just encourage you, keep at it. Whatever the result of the election is, you have work to do. I say that to the church and to individuals in the church, you have work to do, whatever the outcome. And I think I'm really inspired by this quote from Richard J. Middleton's book, A New Heaven and a New Earth. He's a, a Christian theologian, Old Testament scholar. And he says that, we are now living in the age of the kingdom of God, inaugurated by Jesus, in which God is restoring broken, fallen, needy human beings and reversing evil, every form of bondage, poverty, and blindness, so that the world, the cosmos, which God so loved, might again manifest God's true purposes from the beginning, purposes for shalom and blessing. And that's your vocation. That's part of your calling. I think, on my view of eschatology, that's part of the church's calling is to manifest the kingdom of God, to bring about that shalom and blessing. And you have to pursue that, whatever the outcome of the election is. And um, I encourage you to, to get to it. And even if you do hold a different view, um, Joel and I have different views of what Christian progress um, might look like in a broken world. Um, but I just want to encourage you that even if you are not convinced that the world is getting better or will ever get better, um, like our job as Christians is still the same. And that is to live right. in a very different kind of way and to treat people in a noticeably different way. The, the church is to be a beacon that draws people to it. And yes. people are really watching the church right now. So whether your guy wins or loses, how you react um, on both those sides is going to be a witness. So I just, I ask that people do remember that. Um, yeah. And that they, again, that you, you're representing more than just your political party uh, and your reactions. And also, I just, I want to encourage people to remember that we are also to just live in service of others. And I, I think that particularly for those who are used to um, perhaps having um, a lot of political power, if you feel like that is being lost in this election, um, like if you feel that somehow you something is being taken away from you that you had, I just I really encourage you to think about how how Christ works in weakness um, and how and, and maybe this is the way to put it, that you can reflect on how much power you really were relying on from the world, um, because that's just not where our foundation needs to be. It's not where our foundation ought to be. 
And so if you are relying on that, um, I encourage you to just uh, read, read scripture, um, focus on who you have living in you, if you are a believer, um, because that is a different source. And I'm not saying that as some kind of way of pacifying um, someone who's like, well, I've always felt powerless or, and you're just asking me to continue in that space. I'm not saying that this is an argument for continual political weakness, um, right. but instead that we have a different, again, a, just a different source to draw from. Um, so yeah, I just, I think I, I wanted to clarify that even those who feel like they've lost power, um, that really examine why that feeling is devastating to you if it is, um, because I yeah. think that, that there's just some false narratives um, about what political power does uh, for Christianity that, yeah, I encourage you to, to examine in your own life. Yeah. I think the the one other thing that I want to say is that I think a lot of Christians are going to be very tempted to use this election to further divides with other Christians. And I think that for some people, there's very good reason for that. This is an extremely polarized election where people have both rhetorically and in very real ways made this election about your life, right? Like, how can you believe X as a Christian? Like, how could you ever support X as a Christian on both sides? That that became the argument. And so one thing that I just encourage people who will, I think, be very discouraged when they hear that from other believers, to have the confidence um, and the humility to really examine where Christ would stand and to just focus on your relationship with him. Because when your relationship is right with Christ, even when you are in a difficult space with other believers, you can still rest firm without having to fall back on pride, without having to fall back on arrogance or hurt or bitterness. Um, you can be sad, you can work on reconciliation, um, yeah. but you can still stand strong. And I think that I, I, I know that a lot of believers are going to need that kind of strength in the coming weeks. And so that might take some reexamination of, of why you're standing where you stand or why you disagree um, to the level that you do. But regardless, when you're right with Christ, you can stand strong even in the face of hurt from your family, right? Your, your fellow believers. And so I just, I want to put that out there um, that it's less discouraging. It's less truly like for your mental health, make sure that you're putting your relationship with Christ first. Yeah. And I think it's really important. And I think it's important too to, again, give yourself permission to lament and grieve, but even give yourself permission to, um, you know, be distant in some ways from, from relationships and from spaces that maybe are triggering or produce anxiety. Um, we don't want to run from a relationship, but I think there are some people who are going to be really impacted um, negatively if the result goes a certain way. I mean, everyone is, I think, but I think um, it's just going to hit people differently. And so it's okay to give yourself permission to sort of take a break, um, care for yourself, self-care, and, and yeah, have, enjoy that secret place with the Lord where, uh, where he's present, where he's tender, where he's nurturing, where he brings healing. And, um, and from that place, enter back into relationships. But it's okay. Like, I think a lot of us, people on all sides, I think, are going to be hurting and maybe need space. And so give yourself permission to have that space. And then when you find strength in Christ and find hope and, and um, 
yeah, really hope in Christ, then you can move out from that place. Okay, friends, thanks for hanging out with us. Um, We look forward to having you with us again next time for the Mythix podcast. And just as a reminder, during the month of November, if you leave us a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, you'll be entered to win a free book, one of your choosing, either The Color of Compromise by Jim Artisby or The Color of Law by Richard Rothstein. We'll let you pick if you win. So go ahead and leave us a review. And if we draw your name, we'll give you a shout out on future podcasts and uh, get get in touch with you. So we'll see you next time on the Mathinks podcast. Thank you.